Welcome back to Meet You at the Bottom, a conversation podcast where we get to the bottom of top of mind topics with the drink in hand, of course. I'm your host, Abhinav Brahmabdam. Happy election day number three, everyone. I'm sure we're all a little bit uh, mentally exhausted and for myself, sleep deprived, you know, waiting for these ballots to be counted, reading all the election news, looking at all the data, thinking about the impending legal challenges. But as we wrap up this election in the next 24 to 36 hours, I think it's very important to come back together and get back to moving on with our lives and enjoying the things uh, that we appreciate. And what's one aspect of life that everyone can come together on? Sports. And what's one sport that's going on right now that has captivated the audience and fans, 2.5 billion fans actually, across the world? Cricket. We're in the midst of one of the most exciting Indian Premier League seasons of all time. And the regular season just ended, and we're about to enter into a four-team playoff that's taking place today and over the course of the next five days. And so I thought this was the perfect time to have an episode on the sport of cricket, the history of cricket, a deep dive into the Indian Premier League and into this season, and then as well as a discussion on popularity of cricket in, in the United States and you know why it hasn't reached the levels of soccer or other major international sports. And so I was joined by experts in my mind, Krish Desai and Parth Joshi, who have followed the sport their whole lives. They've grown up with it. Parth even played a bunch when he was a kid, and he even has his own podcast, The Follow-On, that delves solely into the world of cricket, and and it's a bi-weekly podcast. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. I'm going to put Parth's podcast episode link in the description, so I encourage everyone to follow it. And I encourage everyone over the weekend, shoot me a text, shoot us a text. We'll give you the link to our platforms. Watch one of these matches. They're only three hours long or two hours long, depending on how it goes. And you won't regret it. Cricket's one of the most exciting sports of all time. And if you like drinking and you like meeting other people and you like cheering on for a team, this is your sport. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks. And we're here on Wednesday, November 4th, day after the election. And I'm actually really glad to have a non-election related conversation with a couple of good buddies. Uh, for all my friends that are listening, I'm sure I was the one that was spamming you all throughout last night at 4 a.m. Uh, so I apologize, but it's exciting. But now, you know, I'm excited to switch topics and talk about something that's near and dear, you know, to 2.5 billion fans in the world. And that's a sport of cricket. So to discuss all things cricket, uh, I'm joined today by Krish Desai and Parth Joshi, uh, who are experts in my mind and have known the sport and follow the sport you know, ever since they were born. And for background, Krish is from Lake Zurich, which I found out just now. I thought he was from <laughs> Schaumburg, like many Indians. And he works in consulting uh, as well in the, in the city of Chicago. And Parth is an engineer from Naperville, so that's fine and normal, a lot of Indians there. Um, And he's actually based out of Chicago as well. And both of them went to University of Illinois, so that's how we we met. Uh, How are you guys doing? Doing well. Thanks for for having me on the pod. Very excited to be here. Just going to say the same. Very excited to be here. Ready to get going. Love that. What are you guys uh, drinking? So uh, I'm going with the the Founders All Day IPA. I know the Indian and India Pale isn't actually India, but 
I thought I'd try and get this close as I could. Sorry, <laughs> there we go. I've got a classic Bell's Two Hearted over here. Nothing fancy. Yeah. I uh, I'm rounding out my blue moons. Last one left. So cheers, everyone. Thanks for hopping on. Cheers. cheers. Any any excuse to drink is a good one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this idea of doing a podcast on cricket came to me because one, I really love watching the sport. Um, I never really grew up playing with it, and it never was really exposed to me. But I always love following it and watching it. It's really fun. And I really try to get a lot of my friends into it, but it's really hard to want to explain the sport and just discuss it. And so I thought it'd be fun to explain like what the hell cricket is at a high level, you know, talk about the Indian Premier League that's going on, which is, you know, one of the top leagues across all sports. And then kind of talk about why the popularity of cricket isn't as high in the United States as it is across almost, you know, every other continent. And so, you know, if I had to pick two people out of the hat from the suburbs, of course, the two Indians are from Naperville. And I thought you were from Schaumburg, but hey, Lake Zurich's close <laughs> enough. Uh, don't know my suburbs well, but those are the two pockets of, of Indians. Um, it's like, it's like the uh, black turnout in Wayne County or Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, without further ado, Chris, you want to start us off by kind of briefly starting with an overview of the sport itself? Yeah, definitely. I, I think I think how you've chosen your guests is, is pretty smart here because maybe you don't know this as well, but, uh, you know, I'm probably a mid-tier, you know, kind of got introduced to the game early 2000s and like during the 2003 World Cup and kind of really have just played Ooh. or sorry, watched the cricket um, and, and not really played it too much. I played it, you know, with Parth and I have a mutual friend, Arjun, who has like a little setup in his backyard. So my, my playing life has only, only been through that avenue. And so then we got expert over here with Parth, who, uh, you know, has played, watched, and then obviously has his own podcast too. And then you have me who just loves to go to the pubs and watch cricket and just drink beer. Taj, Taj Mahal preferably, which, <laughs> which I don't know why all three of us went with super American beers to talk about an international <laughs> sport. <laughs> yeah I mean, hey, those yeah. guys at the pub are the ones who know cricket the best i'll tell you oh completely agree right. let me let me get a little little quick overview on, on the history of sport um and, and some of the rules of the game so uh basically on some preliminary <laughs> research that i've done uh it, it was first started and in, in, or found in 1611 in, in southeast england and england is going to be a common theme with with how the the sport has grown um, all over the world as well. Uh, and basically, it, you know, just some random facts about the history of it. It's the first known cricket matches in 1709. So, you know, prior to uh, Independence Day for the U.S., so clearly it's a pretty old sport. Baseball, for reference, was, was I believe, like mid-1800s, maybe late 1800s. So uh, definitely a little bit earlier than that. And the sport, as I said, began in England and then started spreading across the, the British Commonwealth. So that's why you'll see it's popular in Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, England, uh, the West Indies, which is the Caribbean islands as well. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll go into details so maybe why it's not very popular in the U.S. potentially because of that as well. Um, but uh, this this fact that I found that was pretty ironic was that the actual the first international cricket match was in the 19th century, and it was actually between the U.S. and Canada in New York. Um, Granted, huh. like 
uh, and Parth, you can you can you know please fact check me if, if I've wow. gotten it off the wrong source. Oh no, but... I believe you. I, I was just surprised. That's that's yeah. pretty cool. So pretty much like the, the premise of it was like that there is a selective club in New York, pretty much made only up of British people. So like mm-hmm. all the American folk that you know just won the war and were happy and stuff like that couldn't partake in this sport, but they still had like you know the first international cricket game between the U.S. and Canada, and it happened to be. <laughs> not in england which is really ironic wow yeah and, and oh, that's, so, a, that's a cool fun fact yeah man i just, i went down the fun fact avenue for for anything <laughs> cricket because uh it may be a little difficult for some people to understand the game <laughs> but, so yeah uh, there's, there's gonna be people listening to this and like googling it like no fucking way that's true <laughs> I, hope, I, I hope i don't have like the, the daniel dale who's just like fact checking everything i do but I, <laughs> I believe i'm not trump in this situation i think i'm telling the truth uh <laughs> So, oh man even cricket comes back to politics sorry somehow. sorry sorry <laughs> no, i'm kidding but uh so to to kind of summarize the game itself and and i i do suggest any audience is listening there's a, a cricket explained video on netflix do probably a wonderful job of explaining the game much better than i do but similar to baseball you know there's a ball there's a bat there's uh a fielding side and a batting side and uh, the premise of the game, if you are the fielding side, is to get 10 outs. And the, the premise of the game, if you're the batting side, is to get as many runs as possible in, in a specific amount of time. I, I was telling out before this, explaining cricket to someone that may not know it is, is very difficult. The, the, as I said, the premise is you just want to score as many runs as possible. There, there's a circular boundary, so you can hit the ball wherever you want. There's, there's two batsmen at the same time. Yeah, And, uh, you know, a run is essentially going from home plate to first base back and forth yeah uh or unless you hit it outside of the circular boundary which if you hit it over the air it's like a home run so it's worth six runs if you hit it you know via the ground like a ground rule double it's worth four runs um part you're the the expert the player the hall of famer of the three of us in the sport <laughs> uh yes yeah, saw your cricket bat in the background here we'll have to take a picture at the yeah. end uh to put it on instagram afterwards so people know but anything you wanted to add Absolutely. And, and you guys are much too kind, but no, I think you guys have hit the basics, basics of it. Yeah. That's um, pretty much it. I, I guess the one thing that's interesting that a lot of people may not originally see is that there's no foul balls, right? So you can hit the ball anywhere 360. So that's one thing that people usually get confused about when they see, you know, a foul tip that would be in baseball go backwards. So, you know, the fielders, one key difference between baseball and cricket is you're not wearing any gloves and you got to use your bare hands. Uh, the catcher equivalent, uh, the wicket keeper in cricket is what they call it, you know, has, uh, has a mitt, but everyone else is, is using their bare hands. So it is, uh, requires a little bit more strategy and a different kind of strategy, sorry, and a different kind of, you know, skill set as well. Uh, Parth, do you want to do a quick uh, overview of the different formats of cricket? Because uh, I think the perception and stereotype is oh cricket that's the game that takes like eight days and there's like tea breaks and and stuff but there's obviously that's one form but there's many different formats of it yeah absolutely and so i think there's three major ones right now and abby as you said the one that most people think of is that one that takes five days and you play eight hours a day for five days straight almost like a full work week which just equals one match and and the reason most people think about that is that's how cricket started for most of cricket's life, it's been test matches is what we call the five-day format. 
And for those matches, you can kind of think of it as two innings in baseball, right? So as Chris mentioned, there's 10 outs per side. So it's like two innings of 10 outs. And we try to get a result after five days of play. Um, and so you'll notice one inning is, of course, much longer than a baseball inning. It takes a lot more to get people out, which is why it lasts five days. Um, so that's the first format. The second one is called an ODI, which is a one-day international. Those matches typically last around seven to eight hours, generally. Um, and each side, and that's a one-inning match, and each team gets 300 balls to face. Um, 300 balls is equivalent to 50 overs. And what an over is, is it's six pitches from one bowler. So each team gets 50 of those. Whoever has the most at the end of that inning is the winner. Um, and then the last format is very similar to the One Day International. It's called a T20. It's basically just a shorter version. Um, it's one of the more recent formats. It's really come to life now. It's really the big moneymaker of cricket right now. And so instead of 300, that one is just 120 balls per team. So those are the high-level overview of the three formats. Yeah, love that. Um, you know, I, I like saying the three, uh, for the three formats, the T20, you know, it's the equivalent of any other sporting event, football, basketball, baseball, same amount of time. Um, you know, obviously the ODI is seven, eight hours longer. Uh, and then the test is, you know, a few days. But, hey, takes more than uh, five days to decide a presidential race. So you have time to, <laughs> to watch a test match. <laughs> Um, Chris, you want to, I was just curious, like, what are your guys' favorite formats to watch? And, you know, what did you watch growing up to maybe you want to start Chris? Yeah. Uh, so I guess I'll, I'll answer your second question first. Growing up, as I said, my first introduction to cricket, I, you know, I'm pretty Americanized. So grew up in the, in the Northern suburbs. So I don't really, didn't really know much about cricket, uh, mainly basketball, football, baseball. But in 2003, when, when there was a world cup, India, was playing in the final against Australia and so that was my first you know experience of, of watching it granted it was from like midnight to like eight in the morning or something so I fell asleep for like half of it um, <laughs> but it was it was ODI and I, I, I still thought it was you know pretty intense fun the crowd was was, was really in, into it and, and that's one of the best parts about cricket too the Indian fans love it and, and they travel well yep. um, but in terms of my favorite format and and this may be like the the inner british in me coming out but i it's got to be test match i, I absolutely Whoa. love the a wow. test match on a, old like, school yeah I'm, I'm an old soul in in that sense <laughs> just because so i won't see you know obviously i don't have nine hours or eight hours a day for five days to watch an entire test match and there's you know youtube highlights that do a good job of breaking down and then the, i guess the funny thing about a test match too is that there's breaks like you know you can't be playing for eight nine hours straight so so there's a break for for lunch people got to eat uh but as i said it's a, it's a british game so you got a break for tea as well which is in the afternoon <laughs> so they, they have a little tea break you just want tea be, time you just want to be british like you just want to live in, in england <laughs> hey i mean so the, the fun thing we're talking about the atmosphere uh even in the test match england versus australia in you know mm -hmm. in lords which is a specific cricket ground or or, or anywhere pretty much in england you're going to get a, a, a very big crowd for it and they're going to be you know drinking the entire day getting into every single ball despite there being you know 540 balls in the specific day that's being pitched like pe people get into it um but it's also like uh you know you can just have it on in the background if you're if you're doing stuff during the entire day and and i'm also a fan of golf so so i kind of like it um but yeah a test match would probably be my favorite format. 
Ooh, that one's shocking to hear, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be mainstream. T20, of course, is entertaining, but you know, you got to. I, I consider myself a classy individual, and, and Test Match is clearly the classiest of, of the three formats. Yeah. As you, drink, the- uh, as you drink a beer out of a plastic cup, very classy. <laughs> it's not plastic, it is glass, sir. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, hit the nail on the head. It's just British, not classy. Just pure British. <laughs> what about yeah. you, Parth? For me, I think, you know, it's got to be the ODI. Um, reason being, I think growing up, that's what I watched. And, you know, the tests take a little bit too long for me. I do enjoy watching all three formats. Big cricket fan. Um, so they're, they're always fun to watch. I do agree. Love having it on in the background. T20 is also sometimes a little bit too much of a single player can take over a game at any point in time, which is power hitting. You know, if they're timing the ball really well, just for a span of 30 pitches, they can really change a game. For me, ODIs require a lot of skill, um, you know, a lot of patience, and it's a much bigger chess match without also being a little too long, you know, over the course of a day. So, yeah, for me, I think ODI is the ultimate test between two sides. And, of course, everyone's going to argue that. People will say test, but for me, that's the most fun to watch. Yeah, I, uh, I actually wrote down ODI as well and wrote down the format that requires the most strategy and uh, requires the captain and, you know, the coaches to make sure each piece of the team fits together. And mm-hmm. I thought that was exciting. And then, obviously, this might be a good time to pivot into how these formats correlate into different tournaments and, and different, you know, world cups. And so part, uh, you have the hands-on experience with world cups. Uh, do you want to do a quick overview of, you know, what the different type of world cups are and leagues, and then as well as talk about your experience going to the world cup. Yeah, absolutely. So there's no real world cup for test matches because no one has the time for that shit, but (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so there is now a new concept of a test championship where they basically play a a bunch of series against between the top eight test sides over the course of two years and declare a winner at the end. So that's kind of the recent test closest thing to a World Cup, I guess you could say. Um, But the main World Cup over the course of cricket history has been the ODI World Cup. Um, That's the 50 over format, as we've talked about. And that's usually where, um, you know, every four years, just like the Soccer World Cup, there's about eight to 12 teams that qualify, of course, much less than soccer because less nations are at a certain level at cricket in order to compete with the top teams. So eight to 12 teams, usually in that world cup, there's usually some sort of format of round Robin and then a knockout stage, very similar to soccer. And so that's kind of the pinnacle of cricket. I think that gets the most viewership still. Yeah. And then, so the last one is there is a T20 world cup. Now that one happens every two years. Um, It did get rescheduled from last year due to the COVID situation, Um, but that one's definitely gaining a lot of viewership. Um, There's been some fun World Cups in that one. We've had a bowl out, which is what happens with what used to happen when there was a tie between two teams. Um, So we've seen some really exciting events there. Um, And so those are the two main World Cups now, one happening twice as frequently, but um, getting a lot of viewership now. Um, We have to touch base on last year's World Cup. Uh, I think it was last year. God, 2020 feels like a really long year. Uh, 2019 ODI World Cup in England. That was last year, right? That was, yes. Yeah. I mean, one of the most exciting finishes uh, for a final ever. But before we go there, I know, Parth, you went with your dad. Would love uh, just a quick spiel. You know, what did you do? 
how did it all work out? Um, how was it at the end of the day, et cetera? Yeah, it, it was an awesome experience. Um, loved it. Unfortunately, there was a bit of rain. It is an England summer. So <laughs> we had to, we had to deal with a little bit of that, which um, we did miss want, miss out on one match, which was India, New Zealand. Um, but we did get to see India, Pakistan, which was a phenomenal match. The atmosphere is, is something like you would never see. I think it's comparable to, to any sort of sports rivalry. A lot of people El talk about it as one. El Clasico, yeah, yeah. You could put it up there. It, yeah. it doesn't compare to anything in the United States domestic rivalries. It's like on a whole other level. Right. There's just so much at stake and, you know, the history between the two nations and, and just the animosity coupled with, you know, the rivalry and constant matches and so many close matches over the years. So that – that was awesome. The atmosphere was great. And, you know, just being able to travel around where, you know, people were almost traveling in groups to the next matches. So it was kind of like you were traveling in a pack because there's always certain matches going on on certain days. And so you end up seeing a lot of the same people going to different places and, you know, it's a really cool community and it was just an awesome experience. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think India, Pakistan, I always like to say the analogy is imagine if miracle on high on ice the hockey USSR and America just happened, you know, every few months or every year. <laughs> that's essentially what it is. Uh, I like it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, no, that's awesome. Uh, pretty jealous. Uh, I'm sure Chris was jealous as well, given Dang. the location and then obviously a World <laughs> Cup. Yeah, that is my one thing about cricket that I, I can't get my head around is, uh, you know, we're, it's 2020 and, and for some reason, Granted, this happens at baseball too, so I, I understand. You know, rain, rain delays are a part of a game, but the locations in which cricket is played, especially England, during large percentages of the year, like it's going to rain a lot. And so now it gets to a point where, like, you know, the like a one-day match maybe cut down to twenty overs, ten overs, whatever it may be, or just completely. There's something called the washout, right, where you just don't even right. play the game. I mean, that uh, was a big uh, criticism of last last year's World Cup. Yeah. I remember is Absolutely. why the hell would you put it in the season where it rains the most in Britain? I don't know. Or, I mean, Park, you yeah. might have, or both of you guys might know why they did that. I don't know. Park, take it away. I mean, like my my only thing is I, I know in Australia, like maybe MCG or some of the the venues. I I believe there's like a more of a you know stadium feel to them. I don't know if that affects like the, the bowling conditions and then becomes too difficult and, and or they want to you know, preserve the historicness of, of Lords, which, you know, I get to British people, that's how they, that's how they operate. <laughs> but part of me is like, yo, you got to put a tarp or something on top to just ensure that matches can be played. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, and of course it was extremely frustrating being there and actually yeah. seeing matches get rained out and, you know, you're there on the ground and you're watching rain fall on the grass where there's, seven matches scheduled to be played in the next two weeks and there's no tarp anywhere. So yeah, I, I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense. I think, like you said, it's just the way England pitches have been set up historically and just the infrastructure that's there. And they just haven't wanted to migrate to creating roofs for uh, whatever reason. I, I, there's always some sort of excuse as to this affects the playing conditions in X way. Um, but yeah, it's really hard to agree with that. And I'm completely with you guys. I mean, they really got to figure that out, either it, reschedule it or figure out a way yeah. to make sure. Yeah. It, it could come down to budgeting for, for the city because I know that uh, with awesome. Wimbledon for the longest time, uh, center court didn't have a, a, a roof on it, but then eventually they, they did add a roof because, you know, I think it was like an Nadal Federer match or whatever was delayed like six or seven times 
uh, in the mid 2000s. So they adjusted, they, they realized, you know, maybe it's as good to have a roof and, and continue play. And so hopefully, hopefully the cricket individuals out there listening to this podcast will, will adjust accordingly. Let's shift now to, you know, one of the you know, hottest topics right now. And the reason why we're doing this um, podcast on November 4th is the Indian Premier League. Uh, so the Indian Premier League regular season just finished and the playoff or they call it the qualifier round is starting tomorrow uh, and Friday and then the finals, I think, are Saturday or Sunday. I forget. But I think, you know, this popped up. Uh, it's been going on for a while, but it's popped up in popularity, you know, over the last three, four years. A lot of capital, a lot of money, international money around the league. Um, Parth, you want to just give a premise of the IPL um, you know, high level what it is. And then also, you know, why the hell are they playing in the United Arab Emirates instead of India this year? Yeah, definitely. So the best explanation I can give is the IPL is soccer's version of the EPL or, you know, this La Liga. Um, it's basically where it's a club team where the teams try to get as many sponsors as they can. There's a lot of cash flow. And they try to go out and get the best players in the world and formulate the best team that they can. And it's really the best of the best playing against each other in a T20 format tournament um, that takes place over the course of about 40 days. So it's a very quick tournament compared to, um, you know, some of the longer leagues that we have in soccer or, you know, some of our American domestic sports like the NBA, um, NHL or whatnot. But yeah, it's a rapid fire 40 day tournament. Um, best players in the world are playing every couple days and uh, yeah there it's it's been generating a lot of excitement for cricket Um, a lot of fans now watch Um, yeah and I think it's it's really moving cricket forward in terms of gaining popularity at least you know in the recent future yeah 100% agree and I think part of the reason why it is the format it's t20 format it's very exciting I mean each game each match as they say uh, is three hours long max. So, you know, people's attention spans, they can watch it. And I also think that for people in America, um, you know, you wake up at whether it's, you know, between six to 10 a.m., depending on, you know, where the, where the match is in India or the UAE and this time around, you can easily throw it on, you know, while you're, you know, getting ready for work or even your first couple of hours of work uh, and watch the game. The one thing with, and probably correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe like what, 2008, ish is when it started so it's a it's a, a pretty new concept um and so you know our, our parents growing up you know i believe all of our parents were grown up in, in, in india so they had their idea of cricket being test matches and, and, and odis but um t20 was a, a relatively new concept too but it being the indian premier league with all the best stars coming like my my, my dad and mom just absolutely love it every saturday and sunday we're just now watching IPL cricket for the first few day or first few hours of the day and and absolutely enjoying it. So and and I've thought that this season in particular has been spectacular. Uh, there's, there's it's been very hockey like in that there's like parity amongst yeah. all the teams, uh, which you know I'm a big fan of. I don't want I don't want just a, a Golden State Warriors situation to happen in any sports. So I'm I'm glad that there was a you know a lot of wealth that was spread with regards to talent to to the teams. Yeah, no, completely agree. And then real quickly, why are they playing in uh, the UAE versus India this year? Um, people might ask, and it's because of COVID-19 related, um, you know, planning, scheduling. It was just easier to play in Abu Dhabi and Dubai. Are they playing in any other cities or just those two? 
Uh, they do have a ground in Sharjah. Um, I think oh, that's okay. the third one. So, yep. But those are the three. So pretty concentrated there. And, it's awesome. And, and on that, that third ground too, huge, huge fan of Sharjah, which is essentially like someone's backyard. Like it's really, really small. So um, the number of sixes that they see and the, the scores that they have at those grounds or at that ground is so much higher than anywhere else. So basically, if you're a bowler, you're not a big fan. But if you're just someone that can like time the well prop, time the ball properly, like you're gonna do pretty well at Sharjah, and, and scores will be over in the 200s, which is a a very very good score in T20. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's let's talk about the season. I mean, what a fucking wild season! I feel like every game was close. Every game went to the super over. In my mind, obviously it didn't. And super over for the listeners is like overtime. You know where you have six pitches or six bowls, you know per side. And the most runs that your team hits, you're the winner. Uh, and then, like you said, Krish, the top of the table, I think, you know, Mumbai Indians, 18 points. The bottom of the table is like 12 points and pretty, you know, there's eight teams total. So it's pretty, pretty close. They play 14 games each, top four teams advance to the qualifier. So uh, I, thought it, I thought it was a wild, crazy season. And I love the time change with the UAE because the games at 9 a.m. Central, you can really just hop on hot star and, and turn it on. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Like you said, it feels like literally every match actually does have a super over. And we've seen a couple double super overs too, which I honestly I haven't seen before this season. I'm sure it's happened, but those have been really fun to watch. So yeah. And, and you know, we've seen some new teams that haven't been in the playoffs recently really come up and, um, some new stars emerged this year. Um, so yeah, it's been a lot of fun and it's been, it's really different every year. You don't really know what to expect. So besides a couple teams that have really kept their roster from the past few seasons, it's been quite a toss up and fun to watch. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, one, one of the things that, uh, similar to like, if you are viewers out there, if you're familiar with goal differential, that's a way of separating teams in soccer they use this thing called the net run rate in in cricket. And basically it's, you know, if you won a game and and you have a, you've scored a specific amount of runs in in, in a a set over. And however, there's a specific calculation as to how the net run rate is calculated, but there's only two teams with a positive net run rate, which basically means that the games that they won um, were, you know, they, they played pretty well and like walloped the team per se that they had played against and the other six teams, basically, even if you had a, a record over 500, which the second place team did, it's net run rate was a negative 0.109, which is like Oof. absolutely insane. <laughs> like yeah. the fact that they're the second best team in this league, but they also apparently got like in their six yeah. losses, they've lost by so much that, you know, they don't even have a positive net run rate. Uh, not to get all technical, but yeah, I, you know, it was just uh, as, a, as a fan of the sport, it was just really, really interesting to see. Uh, and then, so like we said, the regular season's over and we're down to four teams, Mumbai Indians, Delhi Capitals, uh, Sunrisers, Hyderabad, and Bangalore. And so these are all cities in India, but I thought we'd just quickly go through, you know, few, you know, key things like you'd see with any sport or any, a movie or anything in terms of superlatives. Uh, so biggest surprise uh, for this season. Uh, why, don't, why don't we start top down with Krish? Uh, yeah, so kind of similar to what I said earlier, but just the, the competitiveness of, of the IPL, all teams other than Mumbai were, were hovering around 500. That, that just seemed kind of unheard of. Usually there's one team that runs away with it and one team that, you know, just can't get their act together during the season. 
but just yeah. how well balanced everything was and and arguably in my opinion like the most talented team which kind of leads into the second one but um Rajasthan ended up finishing last which I also thought was insane looking at the squad prior to the IPL beginning because it's because they're the Royals just like the Kansas City Royals it just takes them a while to get to the top but that was that was cheesy that was cheesy it was too easy you just made it um on that on that point uh before we get to Parth on the talent I'm curious what you both think uh this year versus other years is it because the capital across each of the teams has been you know allocated more appropriately or like have they just spent better on other players or they retained talent from last season I, I, I'm just like kind of confused why you know a lot of these scores are so close every match yeah I don't know it, it you're right it is hard to tell I mean in, in terms of the balance of the teams I feel like you know auction wise not much has changed at least in the format or the way that these franchises are actually going after players that they need to fill their weaknesses so yeah the, the fact that we've gotten this many close games is sort of an anomaly I can't really explain it too well um, but you know like Chris said we've seen some real talented teams like the Rajasthan Royals um, I also think that uh, Kings 11 Punjab are extremely talented as well that, who ended up at the bottom of the table but like we said the margin has just been so small um, and yeah, so Abby, to really answer your question, I guess it's, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, the one thing I may touch upon is just, I, mean, I know this is kind of a default for everything, but probably COVID related. A lot of these players didn't have any sort of international break mm-hmm. playing with their own teams or, or you know, the in, individuals that aren't part of the, the international cricket scene that have their own county cricket or Runji trophy experience. Like, I'm not really sure if that was still happening or I'm pretty sure that also got put to the side when everything was shut down um, due to COVID. So, so a lot of these players couldn't really play consistent cricket. And so what, what happens is, you know, you don't play consistently uh, when it comes to 14 games. So uh, that kind of showed with the, the results by all the teams there. Yeah. And on the then flip the also- side actually is there's less wear and tear on the body. And in the last few seasons, I mean, we've definitely seen that with a lot of the older players. I mean, Karen Pollard comes to mind, like he, he's like, aware and t- I mean I don't even know how he's still playing and, and <laughs> at an efficient level kind of this year I mean it's like equivalent of Diego Maradona coming and playing right now <laughs> maybe not but you're just wear you just look like Diego Maradona with your jacket but anyway yeah. part of, I cut you off there go ahead uh, I'm glad I spurred Di- uh, Diego Maradona comment but that was the goal here <laughs> um, but yeah no the only other thing I was going to add is Chris mentioned COVID related. I think not having fans has probably actually helped these games become really close. So for example, um, Chennai, who has been a historically great franchise in the IPL, they've really relied on their crowd to win games, especially in really close matches towards the end where if they're bowling, there's a lot of pressure on the batsmen and the fans are, you know, putting a lot of more pressure on the batsmen. Um, When they're batting at the end, there's a lot of energy in the stadium they didn't really have that this year and they finished pretty poorly and, you know, their win percentage in those really close matches was way down. And so we can probably attribute some of that to not having a crowd. And so maybe that's why um, another factor into why some of these matches got really close. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. You, you sound very intelligent when you said that. Right there. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was, that was very oh. astute. That yeah. kind of brings up a, a similar thought process I had with, uh, you know, the NBA bubble too. 
you, you were talking about Chennai and maybe not performing as well because they didn't have their fans. I, I thought that the quality of play both in the NBA and in the IPL season as well, I still thought that, you know, there was some, some quality batting and some good bowling um, by specific players as well in the IPL. But maybe the lack of fans there helps them too where they can focus. There's not as many distractions. And um, so, so the quality of play ends up being much better too. Yeah. No, I would, I would agree with you. Um, I had a similar biggest surprise to you, Chris. So, uh, Parth, I'll let you go with your biggest surprise. Uh, yeah, I think mine has got to be Bangalore, Royal Challengers Bangalore. They've just historically been a really bad team. They haven't made that many changes to their team this year, besides adding a, a really young opening batsman who has proven to be really good. But um, nothing where at the beginning of the season you'd point and say, wow, these guys are definitely going to make the playoffs. You think they would end at the bottom of the table like they normally do. So they've been the, the uh, surprise for me. Yeah, and they're like always the team that going in every year, you're like, all right, they're going to be great. Why? Because they have LeBron James of cricket as their captain, Virat Kohli. Right. And then every year they're just pretty shitty. And then somehow, uh, you know, they they eked it out well. Um, and maybe it's kind of what we talked about before. Uh, switching to kind of your biggest letdown, and you touched on this and I'll go first, uh, then Park can go. Uh, I was like kind of affected by not having fans. And I think Parth mentioned this on the onset, talking about different formats and, and just matches in general. Something about cricket matches and just watching fans like with flags and just hats and just cheering nonstop, especially T20 for three hours on their feet, yelling, screaming in these packed stadiums and sweaty and humid in India. Something about that is really exciting. Uh, and I kind of just like missed, missed that experience watching it. Yeah, the games were really equally exciting. And then my, my mind instantly went to, man, what if the fans were here? Like, how much more exciting would it be? And maybe, like we just discussed, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be that close to the match. So, for me, I, that's always a yeah. part of cricket, I think. And so, that was my biggest letdown for the season. Yeah, totally. I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's got to be my biggest letdown this season too I mean the energy is just different when you're watching as well when you don't hear the fans when someone hits that big six or you know when the match is really close and there's yeah so that's that's definitely got to be the top one I guess so I don't repeat the same one the other one is something Chris brought up so I guess I am repeating both of yours but <laughs> Rajasthan Royals they've been a huge disappointment um, especially for the squad that they put together this year I was really excited to see them um, make a run possibly make the playoffs and it just didn't happen so big letdown for me yeah I'll quickly just say the same thing there and I have Rajasthan and then I'll say some names too um, my guy Jafra Archer uh, he's he's pretty much you know one of my favorite players great really good bowler for England plays across all three formats and, and is also had to be England right yeah and, and he's boys <laughs> he's boys with Marcus Rashford who also is killing it in his own sport oh um, really yeah, nice. there's there's actually some weird soccer like cricket crossovers I see on Twitter, and it's just uh, the weirdest thing. It's like Jimmy Butler and Paul Pogba as well are really good friends, and so I just see oh, really? crossovers of different sports, and I feel like I'm the glue for them all. But and then let's uh shifting to the players, best batsman in your opinion. Uh, you want to just go, Chris, since you just ended. Yep. Uh, I mean, this is probably just looking at the sheer statistics. Uh, KL Rahul, Indian international, uh, is, is played at the three, the play, played at the two. He, he put together a great campaign and basically uh, won the orange hat, which is if he scored the, the most runs uh, and, and did it in pretty 
pretty good uh, timing, had a good strike rate, which basically means that he didn't take too many balls to, to score his runs. Um, so it would probably be Kale Rahul for me. Yeah, 670 runs. That's a lot. Yeah, I mean, what the, next, the next person is, what, like 150, 140 runs behind. So Yeah, I think it's right. David Warner. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with Chris there. I mean, yep, like you guys said, the runs just 150 more. Even the average is at 55 highest there. Um, and like Chris mentioned, the strike rate, so a number of runs that you score per ball on average is right up there with everyone else who's in the top 10 as well. So, um, And he did have the highest score this season, too, scoring 132 not out. So hard to argue with those numbers. Yeah. What was his strike rate? Strike rate was 129. Jesus. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, so for the viewers, that means if, uh, if he faced 100 deliveries, he would score 129 runs on average. Based, that's his average there. Yeah, that's that's wild. And uh, yeah, I had KL Rahul as well. Uh, but two other names I thought had a good year: David Warner and uh, Shikhar Dhawan. Mm. Uh, let's go to best bowler here because I feel like we won't agree on this one. Batsman was pretty easy to agree to, but bowler maybe not. Or maybe maybe we're just trying to, you know, have some fun here. Uh, Chris, you gave me a weird look, so you got to go first. Well, I gave you a weird look because I thought it was, it was, you know, clear as day as well. Well, to be honest, I, I chose two because I can't distinguish between them. I, th- I thought my boy, once again, Jafra, Jafra Archer and Jasprit Bumra. Um, they're, they're the two best fast bowlers in the game. And as I said, they, they both can play all three formats, which is, which is very, very difficult. Like, imagine, like, adjusting – your game based on you know what the format of the game is I, I actually don't know an analogy to what that may be in, in another sport but um you know they they managed to keep their their economy rates low which basically means that you know in and over they didn't give up too many runs um and then they got a lot of wickets in, in the tournament too so those as long as those two are healthy i know jofra's out out with rajasthan but just breathe is going to be really important for mumbai uh, when the playoffs start. Yeah, Jasprit Bumrah carries Mumbai Indians, and we should have touched on this earlier, and we might later on. Mumbai Indians is owned by Mukesh Ambani, who I think, correct me guys if I'm wrong, is the wealthiest person in Asia. I think he, he has that now with all this investment from all these private equity firms um, and these big Google, Facebook, into, into his Reliance, Geo and Reliance Industries. Uh, so yeah, I'm surprised. I'm going to take a turn here. This may be a controversial opinion, but I'm going to say Rashid Khan, um, who is a leg spinner on Sunrisers Hyderabad. Um, the reason I say that is he has the lowest economy rate. Basically he's the only bowler in the IPL this year to have an economy rate under six. And so if you remember from the start of this podcast, uh, an economy rate or sorry, an over is six delivery. So a bowler bowls six balls per over. So an economy rate of under six means that he's giving up less than a run per ball. Um, and the average score, like Chris said in T20s, is, you know, 200 runs at Sharjah at least in 120 balls. So if you calculate that down, he is phenomenal in terms of giving up a really low amount of runs. When it comes to wickets, he is a few behind Archer and Boomer. He's four, four wickets behind um, Jafra, but... Um, you know, sometimes I, I think really in T20 matches, sometimes runs or not giving up runs is way more important than taking wickets. Of course, you can debate that depending on who the batsman is, but I feel like the pressure he puts on when he comes in um, is just unmatched. That, before you go, Abby, I, I, I forgot that I wrote down in my biggest surprise that uh, Rashid Khan, do you guys know how old he is? 
No. 38? Exactly. No, that dude is 22. And I literally wrote, that bro looked 40. Yeah, I thought he was <laughs> he old. old. He does, man. Yeah. <laughs> Quick info says he's only, he was born in 1998. So, yeah. Wow. Great, great shameless plug. Crickinfo.com. Great source. I mean, great website. That's ESPN everything. right yeah. there, right? <laughs> yeah, ESPN. Um, wait, what's, uh, um, you know, back to you, part of what was his uh, strike rate? Out of curiosity. Um, his strike rate, uh, like against him? Yeah. Um, so his average is, let's see. So his average was 15.57. Wow. Um, but if we took that economy rate and turned it into a strike rate, right, it's about, you know, 5.25 um, yeah. out of six. So it's, it's less than uh, 90, right, which is great in T20. So the strike rate against him is under that, which is, yeah. That, yeah. That's crazy. I um I think we all went three different ways here. So I wanted to pick Boomerang, but I thought you guys would have picked him. So then I was like, ah, right, who's close to just beat Boomerang? And Sandeep Sharma, Sunrisers, very similar. Not a popular name. Sticking with the theme of Sunrisers either by the year. Uh, not a popular household name, but like if we just compare him, and I read this Crick Info article too that convinced me otherwise um, not to pick Boomerang. Sandeep Sharma, 108 wickets, economy 7.75. And, you know, just be Bumrah, 105 wickets, economy 7.46. Yeah, there's a difference. But for someone who has uh, lower expectations, and he clearly outperformed them in my mind, and he's, a, he's become a reliable person for them down the stretch too, um, especially when they needed some of these wins. And so that was, that was uh, who I took. I don't know if you guys had any reactions there, but uh, he look out for him. Yeah, no, I mean, so, you know, if you just look at the numbers, it may not be great, but, you know, not top top five maybe. But, yeah, if you watch the matches, that's that's really important. <laughs> <laughs> just like just, your, your input, Abby, was pretty much like no. that. No. That's, yeah, that's, that's why I moderate. That's why I moderate. This. That's why I moderate. <laughs> No, but what I was going to say is that if you so there's two bowlers on Sunrisers, not Rajan and Sandeep Sharma. So yeah. those two have been phenomenal in the death. And what they do in Hyderabad is they bowl them to at the best batsman at the end. So they're one of the very few teams that likely save three overs out of the four. So each of these bowlers can bowl four overs in a match. They'll save these two bowlers three overs each. So six overs for the end. And the end is usually when people try to go and hit. So your economy rate is a little bit higher if you're bowling in the death. Um, yeah. So and, yeah. But you're, you'll get some wickets on the flip side or. That's also true. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, and sorry to just add this really quickly as well. One of the things about the IPL is you're, you're limited in the number of foreign players that you can play. So the fact that two of their best bowlers are Indian bowlers means that they don't have to, you know, waste a, a, a foreign bowler that may be, playing at the international stage and not at the local level like these Indian players are, um, which allows them to, to play an extra international batsman, Ben Stokes, you know, Johnny Barristow, whoever it may be. Stokes. Uh, which is God, huge, which is huge for team balance. So, yeah. Great yeah. point. That's a great point. Last thing on Natarajan, just like the name, South Indian. So, obviously, <laughs> he's important in my book. Uh, all right, let's quickly oh, go man. through our uh, predictions here. Uh, so, we have – Tomorrow, Delhi Capitals, Mumbai Indians in the qualifier number one. 
Parth, you're up. Who you got? Taking Mumbai, taking my hometown. So that's all I got. That's the reason. That's, that's <laughs> enough. I'm actually taking Mumbai too, but I'll give you my reasons later. But we'll go Krish first. Uh, I'll go. I'll go Delhi just because uh, they got Kagiso Rabada, who's had a great uh, tournament, and uh, the Indian batsmen have uh, have played well too. Hopefully, they can they can keep it going. But Chikadawan, Prithvi Shah. Uh, Shreyas Iyer, if they can, if they can just you know get a good start, get some runs on the board. Hopefully, the I know Delhi's bowling attack isn't stellar, but you know hopefully, Kagiso can can pull it through for them. Yeah, I uh for on the flip side from Mumbai Indians, I mean, Surya Kumar Yadav, um, uh, you know Ishan Kishan. Uh, we already talked about Bumrah on the bowling end. Uh, I just think there's too much, and and there's just something about Mumbai Indians. And maybe it's because I watched the cricket fever on them. They're just like, it's like the Lakers, you know, they just got it. They got the swagger. <laughs> they have the swagger. They're just dope. It's dope as hell. They're going to win. Match number two, uh, Sunrisers, Hyderabad, Royal Challengers, Bangalore. Krish? Yeah, I got to go with uh, your hometown, Sunrisers, because uh, funny enough, my sister's in business school, and one of the questions in one of her random classes was, what is like I forget what the class was, but it was like what is the percentage chance that the, the Royal Challengers Bangalore will win the IPL? And this mm-hmm. was like maybe a, a game or two into the IPL, and I was like, man, I think they lost. And and Coley going into the IPL was not playing very well. He had this long break, and he didn't play very well in the first couple games as well. I think so. I was like, man, this fifteen percent, if that, ten percent, and so. Um, if they win, then I'm I, I'm pretty much Nate Silver over here as well, and uh, and terrible at predicting things. But hopefully, I also Hyderabad's <laughs> coming in hot with the win streak four or five, um, and I think they've got the best team on paper too. So yeah, wait, two things. One, hasn't Bangalore lost like four in a row coming into this? Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. they're stumbling mm-hmm. into the. And then two, Nate Silver to protect the guy. He aggregates the polls and makes he he's not a pollster <laughs> and. Sorry, I'm just following. I'm following Twitter here. Yeah. Twitter's Twitter is all over him, so you know. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I, yeah. I put. I'm on Do Not Disturb right now, but once we get out for the listeners, it's 9:30 Central Wednesday. So we got Maricopa County results to look at. Georgia <laughs> got DeKalb County, Fulton County to look at right after this. But we're gonna it's a give big it, night. Give it our 110 percent to this podcast as we are. Uh, anyway, part. Uh, what do you got here? I, I agree with Chris here. I think Sunrisers have got to be the favorite. I think their bowling is significantly better. And Abby, like you mentioned, RCB is coming off, uh, which is Royal Challengers Bangalore. They're coming off a bad streak here, not really informed batting wise. So um, yeah, Sunrisers should look to win here. Yeah. Do you think it's a disappointment um, for Coley? Kind of just IPL as a whole, but this season where it's like, you know, against all odds, they're they're here, and I just read a couple articles before this how he's hyping it up, and we're gonna play a lot better than we did the last couple of weeks. Um, but I just feel like there's a lot of pressure, and and I also think he doesn't really care as much. Um, but curious what you guys think. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, just just given the lack of success that he's had in this tournament over the last several years, I I don't want to say he's complacent because he's one of the one of the fiercest competitors that we have in this game, but he's got to be pretty happy that he even made it to the playoffs. It was, it was getting pretty crazy how unsuccessful this franchise was. So um, 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think they've already kind of won here just by making it this far and anything here, <laughs> anything else is extra from here. It's like, it's like the Bulls in basketball. Always the exactly. Team. Never can get a good draft pick and it never can advance. Yeah, it's, that's what I call sports purgatory right there when you can't win, but right. you, you don't lose properly either. The, the one thing that's surprising with me, uh, I'm just looking at the, the, the leaderboard for, you know, the, the most runs scored. They do. They do have the number four and five. With Dave Padico, who you touched upon, was was a a good young batsman that uh, played well in this campaign. And then somehow Coley, despite it being a very quiet you know campaign, it's, is is fifth in this list of most runs scored. So um, you know they, they can they can definitely score some runs, and and you never know. This this seems like one of those things where the the, the common sense choice actually won't be the the result. So. I wouldn't be surprised if they if they do something remarkable tomorrow or two days from now either. Yeah, that's they true. say that about Coley, right? He's the quiet run scorer. You you don't even know. And yeah. for for cricket fans, if you do know him, he's probably the best in the world right now. He's always ticking the scoreboard. The scoreboard keeps moving even if you're not realizing it. So yeah, not surprising that he made it up there eventually. Makes sense. I was just going to say, and especially in the national matches. Um, I mean, the last year's World Cup, ODI World Cup, it, you, he was killing it and doing mm-hmm. really well, but you never, like, he's not flat. You just never know. Like, he's not hitting a bunch of sixes all the time. He's just slow and steady. Um, right, kind of exactly. Cool. Um, all right, so then now we go to the the second part of the semifinal. So it's like the second f- semifinal. So whoever lost the first qualifier match will play the, the winner of Bangalore and Hyderabad. So we all have Hyderabad, and Parth and I have Delhi Capitals as a loser, and Krish has uh, Mumbai Indians as a loser because he predicted Delhi to t- go to the final. Uh, do you guys you guys like this format, uh, Krish? I know you're biting at the chop there to, to say something because it's new and it's, it's interesting. It yeah, I'm just trying to equate it to to American sports, to to even English sports. Like the, it's it's something that you rarely see um, where the the I mean in essence it's similar to the first if you finish the season and you're the first in your division you may get a bye and you don't have to play a team and play you you play one less game um but it's just odd to to reward a team like the fact that you can have a team that loses and then can ultimately still win a tournament like it's uh you're you're rewarding the second team or second place team with so much because at the end of the day you can learn from the mistakes you made in your first playoff game and that can that can trigger something in you and, and you can make a run and, and end up winning. So it's, uh, it's, it's odd, but at the end of the day, the IPL only does have four teams that qualify. So it, it kind of does make sense. It adds another game to the, the playoff schedule instead of it just being three games, it's four games now. So, um, you know, it's, it's a money-making machine, so I don't, I don't blame them for it, but uh, it, it's definitely, um, you know, interesting. Yeah, I think I definitely agree with the last point you made, Chris, just because there are only eight teams when you have four that, you know, the difference with how you finish in the regular season with second and third should actually make some sort of difference. Now, whether you get a second shot at going to the finals, that's definitely debatable if you lose and can go back. But yeah, I think given the format and the number of teams, it probably does make sense that, you know, your regular season standing matters a lot more than in these other leagues where you have to be in the top, you know, whatever, 20% arbitrary number there to make it into the playoffs. Yeah. I think my only thing about it is it's weird from a scheduling standpoint too, 
So like the first qualifier is tomorrow. The next one is the 6th of November. So say you win tomorrow. Um, the final is on the 10th. So like you kind of have these days off, um, which is nice. You know, it's a, it's a tough season, obviously. A lot of games jam-packed into a month, essentially. Um, but then say you lose tomorrow, then you play the winner of, of the 6th, and that's on the 8th. And then you play that game, and then you play again on the 10th. Uh, so it just kind of it just feels like an unnecessary game in there. Uh, but I get it from a capital standpoint and it, it is a money you know making machine and then the eighth that game is a Sunday so that's definitely not a coincidence they planned that um, and everyone and all three of us are going to be watching Sunday morning so I guess I don't know they're making a lot of money on it and you can't blame them in a COVID situation where they're not you know making money elsewhere uh, but it is interesting and if anything it's just hard for us to go through this without confusing the listeners and myself here as we're discussing this. <laughs> um, all right. So let, let's just go, let's just go to the final. Who do we, who do we have in the final? Who do you think is going to win? Chris? So, so yeah, so I think uh, the, the winner I still have to go with is uh, the Sunrisers Hyderabad. Um, on, on paper, they, they have the best squad. They have a nice mixture of international players and Indian players with Johnny Barristow, Jason Holder, Kane Williamson, Jason Warner, or sorry, David Warner. Um, and, and then as we touched upon the two Indian bowlers that can bowl at the, at the death there, Rithiman Saha was also brought in is a, is a good opening batsman for them. So um, I think that they should be able to, to pull it off and, and hopefully uh, they win. Parth? Uh, I'm going to pick the top two teams to come back and, and have a rematch Ooh. for the final. I'm going to have Mumbai and Delhi. And I think Mumbai wins again this year back to back. Um, I wonder why I picked them, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hometown boy over here. Yep. Interesting. Um, I have Delhi and Hyderabad, uh, and I'm going to pick the Capitals actually against my better judgment and, and, uh, and Hyderabad. Uh, not originally not from Hyderabad. Obviously my parents are from Andhra Pradesh and Hyderabad, the state actually split. Uh, if you guys care about Indian politics, so touchy subject. Um, but I'm going to pick Delhi Capitals. Two words. Um, Shikhar Dhawan. I just don't think. I just, he's amazing. He's really good. Uh, I think you have a huge performance from him, a huge performance from Shreyas Iyer, and then Ashwin bowling. He just, I just feel like Ashwin just shows up in these kinds of situations historically. Uh, maybe that's just my perception. I'm predicting that the pandemic IPL season ends with a super over. It's not a bold prediction, but really likely. Is it two super overs? I don't know, but that's uh, that's my thoughts. Uh, any I other hope thoughts? you're right. Yeah. Be awesome. Uh, any other thoughts on the IPL season for you guys before we uh, go to break? No. no. I, I thought, you know, I think it's been fun. I'm excited for the conclusion. And uh, to be honest, I'm excited for the test season to come around because uh, your, your boys have been waiting way too long. Oh. <laughs> give me a break man <laughs> seriously me and my old pal Seamus are going to hit up the pub enjoy <laughs> call me and I'll come for like an hour a day not eight exactly. hours <laughs> uh, lastly where can folks watch the IPL playoffs so you have four matches across you know essentially eight days it's going to be exciting no one's doing anything in the mornings anyway um, I watch um, in America on Hot Star, but I didn't know if there was any other way to watch it. 
I have a, I know, I mean, I'm, I'm at home, so I'm, I'm kind of just riding my, my parents and, and their cable in terms of uh, what they have there. So they have Willow TV. I'm not sure if there's a, you know, a game by game option that people can, can watch, but uh, Willow, Willow does it for me. Yeah, I cool. think those are the two main options for most people. Um, I'm also a hot star person, got that subscription. Um, all right. Yeah, I thought this is great for staff. Talked a little bit about history of the sport, what it is, and then really delved in deep uh, to the Indian Premier League season this year, which has been, you know, one of the most exciting years. So I really, you know, emphasize to all the listeners, go check it out. Check out the YouTube highlights. Check out ESPN.com, the Cricket tab. A lot of information out there. And obviously reach out to all of us if you're interested in learning more or want our subscriptions to watch the playoff. Happy to provide you mine. Uh, or happy to provide you parts or Chris's parents is one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get you, we'll get you access. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break and then uh, we're going to come back and talk about the popularity of the sport specifically within the U S and then we'll, uh, we'll let part uh, talk about his podcast to follow on. And we're back with two of the biggest suburb cricket superstars, Chris Desai and Parth <laughs> Joshi. Parth is from Naperville, and Chris is from Lake Zurich. So obviously, obviously there's some uh, battleground uh, issues over there, uh, which which uh, precinct has the best Indian cricket population or South Asian? We should be we should be uh, more opening uh, to include Pakistan as well. But anyway. I want to talk uh, talk a little bit about the popularity of cricket, and then we'll talk about Parts Podcast to wrap up the show. And so we touched on earlier how you both got introduced to the sport and, you know, what age and all of that. Um, but when did it really become one of your go-to sports? For you guys, it seems like, Chris, a little bit later on, but like Parts, we'll start with you. Cricket was probably a go-to from a really early stage. So just curious, you know, how that development happened. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it's mainly from my dad. Um, he's a huge cricket fan. He played a lot when he was back in India too, during school and college as well. So he introduced me really early when I was, you know, kindergarten. It was always in the backyard with a cricket bat, cricket ball and playing there. So I got introduced really young and picked up um, the sport at a really young age and it's just carried through since. So what, um, what are you known for? Like we were talking about the other other players on the IPL and the teams, like, like if I'm reading a scouting report on Parth Joshi from Naperville, Illinois, what, what does yeah. that say? Well, right now I'm known for sitting on the couch with beer and, and watching other people play. Um, but <laughs> back in the day, I guess you could, you could say I, I was an opening batsman. So I'd bat first. Ooh, yeah. Shit. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure one, but also like pretty, a lot of mad respect from uh, the other teammates. You got to set the tone. Or else you guys are kind of fucked. <laughs> right, right. Yep. First first line of blood. You, you can awesome. handle that uh that morning dew in, in Hanover Park and the and those bowlers <laughs> swinging it into the week. <laughs> uh, I know, yeah. Yep. But those morning Chicago suburb grounds, nothing like <laughs> it. <laughs> uh Chris, for you it was it was a little bit later on, but uh, what did you say, two thousand three? It's kind of yeah. when you became, uh, this is one of your go-to sports. Yeah, I, I guess 2003 is when I was introduced to it. 2000, more so when I got to give a shout out to my my friend Arjun, Parthenize, mutual friend. 
he pretty much like as I said, he's got this setup in his his backyard. He's got a basement that's pretty conducive for some sort of small little cricket matches that we can play there. And he's got the the cricket subscriptions too. So a lot of the the middle school and high school sleepovers were were a lot of cricket based um, sleepovers where we just you know play and watch cricket all the time. Uh, so so it was a lot, you know my, my love for the sport definitely grew with that. And then uh, we were touching upon it a little bit earlier uh, during the break. But it's my way to connect with my girlfriend's father. I don't know much about Indian politics or, or drama, so my my love for cricket is a good way to to be able to connect with the motherland. Yeah, um, just be and, like, hey, did you watch the last India match? By the way, can I marry your daughter? <laughs> <laughs> that's yep, that's the segue there. No, <laughs> but basically, it's just the it's the ultimate great you know icebreaker in an Indian family, in my opinion. So uh, I'm I'm sticking with it, but I also do really enjoy the sport too. Yeah. No, that's interesting. We've all, like, maybe you guys haven't. Uh, I always remember, like, we would have these in our street, like, tennis ball, like, cricket matches. With, we, we didn't have many Indian people. It was, like, only two or three other families that were my age at the time growing up. But it was pretty fun. And um, Barth and I used to do that uh, at 2.30, 3 a.m., post-game, 6.06, Urbana-Champagne. We would, uh, we would decide that it's a good time to play, you know, cricket in the middle of the morning after bars. Love and, that. Uh, after red right. line, straight after to the red cr- line, cricket yep. pitch. Yeah. Straight to Stoughton and sixth <laughs> yeah. intersection for some cricket. But yeah, those uh, individuals. You guys live so far away. <laughs> Not even live there, but I lived there. That was the spot. Yeah, it's just guaranteed cricket at two thirty in the morning. So you had to show up, right? <laughs> Love that. So, so the demographics of the podcast are kind of low on the college uh, cr- folks currently in college, but. For like the six percent that are between the ages of seventeen and twenty-one, <laughs> they're gonna just start showing up. At, what is it? Stoughton. <laughs> bring your cricket bats. Bring your tennis balls. There will for sure be a cricket match two thirty a.m. Um, oh, question for you guys. Uh, I always like, and maybe it's just my family, my mom's side, and my dad's side, but I always had this perception growing up, and it's not true, that more like north. Indians, Gujaratis, West Indians, like Mumbai, are more into the sport, um, especially those that live in America, because a lot of people played it growing up. And I don't know if this, if there's any basis for this at all, but I was just like, I got introduced it from my good friends, Prerak, their parents who are Gujarati, but they would have these like parties, not parties, but gatherings where you're watching in the middle of the night, you know, India, Australia matches, things like that. And it's really fun. So I'm going to get a subscription, get the projector screen down. And so it's like, cool, they would invite us over to watch and then we play, you know, during the day. And that's kind of how I got introduced to the sport. Never really got introduced through my parents. Uh, not sure if that's an out, a mind outlier or not. So I was curious kind of what your guys' thoughts were. I mean, I can't really speak too much to the the South, what are you, Southwest or Southeast Indian, Hyderabad, South South Indian yeah. as well, that scene. I, I'm not entirely sure about that, but I, yeah, I mean, I, I can tell you for sure with Gujarati families, it's, it's a lot, you know, it's a, a topic that we talk about, especially when the IPL season comes around and, and fun, funnily enough, I, I do have a connection to BCCI as well. Like, you know, my, my aunt's brother. Yeah. I think it's just my aunt's brother. He, uh, he actually was like the BCCI secretary for a little bit. He lives in oh. like Gujarat. So like, yeah, he's, he's been pictured with, uh, you know, Donnie and Kohli and even even Tendulkar back in the day because I think it was like a period of time in which he was he was at. So and for the listeners, awesome. BCCI is is like the governing body of 
of cricket um, yeah. in India. And so the secretary is like Adam Silver. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. basically, you know, yeah. I, I had a plug. I mean, you know, he's no longer there anymore, but um, for, for, and I didn't even take advantage of it, it was the worst part, but I could have gone to like <laughs> IPL. I could have sat next to Mukesh Ambani if I wanted to, probably not, but um, it would have been cool. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's, it's always, you know, in, in the, the talk of the town and, and any of my Gujarati family get togethers. Yeah. I guess part of the question to you then, similarly, why do you think, a lot of first generation Indians like us aren't really into the sport. Um, you know, we were joking around about our girlfriends, Krish, um, but like, you know, you know, not, not, I don't want to make this a gender thing, but just in general, like folks aren't into it. Like my brother's not really into, into cricket, um, but some of my cousins are. So it's just interesting. Like where does it come from if it doesn't come from, you know, your parents directly? Yeah, it, it's interesting because I think the big thing is what we talked about earlier where, you know, T20 cricket really became big. The IPL really became big in 2008. So for a lot of us, if, you know, you were born in that 1990 to 1997 you know, seven or whatever period, you probably didn't grow up watching a lot of cricket because you would have to watch these five-day matches. So a lot of people weren't watching it growing up. The, the right. concept of three-hour matches was not there. Um and of course, you know, it's, it's not very popular in the United States, so it doesn't help. You know, you can't play high school cricket here. You can't play middle school cricket. You got to sign up for a different sport if you want to be a student athlete in grade school. So, <laughs> yeah, I think all those factors probably contribute to not a lot of people really catching up with cricket. Yeah, I think it's, it correlates directly to the broader, you know, United States population. I think one, it's kind yeah. of a preconceived notion that it's too complicated to understand. And I think human nature in general doesn't, you know, they're afraid to do something outside their comfort zone or they, they just can't grasp it. And I think if there's something like cricket where it's not in your face, you're not seeing ads, you're not seeing it on TV or reading about it in the newspaper or on websites, um, you can't grasp it. So you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to grasp it is my opinion. It's kind of a pessimistic yeah. outlook on um, just a human, but I've, I've always wondered like, why hasn't this picked up steam? Soccer's picked up steam and soccer is the number one most popular sport. And then crickets, you know, followed shortly right after. Uh, I'll open it up to you, Krish, because uh, you're like the worldly guy of, you know, part British, part Lake Zurich, part Gujarat. <laughs> knows what else? Yeah, well, so, I mean, I, I do have my whole entire dad's side of the family is in England. And, and I do think just based on like doing some research on cricket and the history of the game, it being originated in England and how the British kind of uh, you know, had the game go across uh, oceans just through its commonwealths. Uh, I mean, to this day, if you look at all the top teams in, in international cricket, it's teams that have had a British presence at some point in their history. Um, granted, you know, the U.S. isn't there, but I think that, like, similar with anything else uh, British-related, like when America was was forming, they, they really didn't want to do anything to – or they didn't want anything related to the British – and so this idea of playing a sport that was like very, very British in the 1800s, right? It was, a, it was an elite sport or, you know, you can only be a select number of individuals to be able to play the sport uh, when the first international game happened in New York. Uh, so the fact that like, you know, they're already outlawed from it, from the British that were in the U.S. Uh, and, and then, you know, they're like, All right, you know what, we, we can't even play this game. So we're going to come up with our own game. Baseball started and it's just, you know, from then on, they've, they've never really it's never picked up because there's just been this anti-British sentiment, or at least for early on. 
and then it just has compounded because um, other sports have been created and, and it's not really, it never was played or never started uh, to begin with. It's a good yeah. history lesson for us. I didn't know any of that. Uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Parth. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I definitely agree. And, and then the other thing is, right, for international cricket, I mean, in order to go play India or Australia, they're not going to take on a series with the United States or Ireland or Amsterdam or something like that because it's just not worth their time and cricket is a long sport. Um, and so until 2008, when the IPL came, there's really no incentive for any people in non-cricket dominant countries to play cricket, right? You're going to go play at best, you're going to make your national team. And as a national team player in cricket, you're not going to make that much money. Um, it's hard to make a living off playing cricket for um, just being sole international players in a lot of countries. So until you really have that club sort of feel where there's corporate sponsorship and a lot of people actually pouring money into cricket, you know, players from certain countries are going to look elsewhere where there's more opportunity in different sports. And so that's why I think there's, it's just been mainly focused on, like Chris said, English commonwealths, former English commonwealths and the countries who have just been playing it for the last 200 years in terms of test cricket mainly. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think people don't realize there is a United States national cricket team. Uh, right. There is some infrastructure built nowhere near, you know, what it needs to be. It'll be interesting to see how, how it shakes out, but I feel like I'm reading and hearing a lot from the international cricket community that they want to invest more money in the U S there's a big untapped population here. One, obviously capital gain, but two talent population, especially if you get folks playing from a younger age. And it's funny, like a lot of the folks on the you know United States, these infrastructure is you know, first generation, you know, South Asians or Australians or, you know, British folks who just kind of grew up with the sport. There's a lot of mini leagues, obviously a league in Illinois, you know, leagues across the Midwest and other regions, you know, West coast, East coast. And so I'll start with you part. Do you think it'll become big? I'm really bullish on this. Um, and if you do think it's going to become big, when, what's a time frame that you're thinking about? Kind of a really hard, open-ended, dumb question here, but I'm curious. Yeah, no, that's, it's a good question and a very tough one too. Yeah, no, I, I like it too. I mean, because IPL is growing, because viewership is growing there, I think it's only a matter of time until people from other countries say that, hey, we have an opportunity and there's going to be some players that actually go overseas and play in this tournament. Um, and that, of course, increases the quality of grassroots level cricket in different countries. So um, timeline-wise, the U.S. is still very far behind. Their international team is bad. Um, but I, I would hope to see, you know, people from from those smaller countries at least rise up in the next 10 years. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's difficult for me to analyze just because even if I – I know we're talking about cricket, but even just if we're thinking about soccer – like granted this young crop of soccer players where we're, you know, not to go off on a tangent, but they, they were looking promising there. But, you know, at the end of the day, we are a very large country with plenty of individuals that can definitely play the sport. And so, you know, the fact that Zimbabwe has a much better cricket team than the U S is, is, it, you know, blows my mind, but uh, the, you know, it's just, there hasn't been enough interest. And if you are interested, you may be a first generation Indian person where, um, you know, pursuing a sport in which Parth already said may not ensure success is, is a little hard to, to tell your parents that you're planning on doing that. So, um, you know, it's, it's a little harder for, for the sport to grow in that sense. 
so I, you know, I, I, unfortunately I may have to play devil's advocate, like at the end of the day, like it can't, can't get worse than this. So I understand mm-hmm. your, your bullishness, but it just, it, you know, it's taken so long for soccer um, to, to become popular here. And, and we've had setbacks along the way. And, and I feel like, you know, we haven't had a major breakthrough yet in, in cricket and uh, in, in the American population, but hopefully more Indian people that are first generation kids that are born here, see the sport, see, understand that, you know, they really love it and that they can actually pursue it. And, and we can we become something formidable uh, in the world. Yeah. It, it's interesting what you, what you said right there, like with soccer, because a lot of people will say like, we haven't even made it in soccer in the United States. Right. And so uh, I, I think soccer is making, I mean like Iceland. Go ahead. So, sorry to cut you off, but like, it's a whole like Taylor Twelman like rant when we didn't make the 2018 World Cup or qualify for it. He's like, you know, Iceland qualified for the World Cup, and their population is the size of Corpus Corpus Christi. So like, you know, yeah. it, it, we clearly have plenty of infrastructure, we have pl- plenty of the resources, but for some reason, like, you know, we we can't garner enough talent or or you know whatever it may be the setup. The, we're not generating talent that can that can uh, compete at the highest level, but. I think we, we not going off on a tangent, but soccer seems to be very promising with the, the international youngins that they have. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, but, you know, bringing it back to cricket, I think devil's advocate to my own bullishness on cricket in, the, in America. I just think the infrastructure actually isn't built yet or is not in place yet for cricket. And I don't know what the correct avenue or pathway is. It's like creating a company almost. And like all of us are, you know, um, doing well in, in corporate America. And I, it's hard to think about like, what would be the first, you know, two or three steps. So I'm going to ask, ask you part, like, where do you think, like, what is like, what do we need to, to at least put the foundation of this infrastructure? Like, what do we need? Cause I think the capital is available, but I, right. I think it's interest. I don't know, actually. Yeah. So the first thing, I don't know how many people are very close to this, but the, the board of cricket in the United States has been horrible for the last 10 years. Um, they, they're extremely incompetent. They, don't, they can't generate a lot of funding, a lot of corruption, um, and it, it's just been a bad stint. So there needs to be a big overhaul of the board of U.S. cricket. That's the main goal in my eyes, at least to start with. Um, there has to be people who know what they're doing they have to know how to run an organization. They know have to. They have to know how to generate, um, you know, cash to actually invest into players, into facilities, like you said, um, so that there can actually be an infrastructure to grow cricket. So that's the biggest thing for me. The second one, like you said, fields. Um, just you know, being able to create these these leagues and um, different opportunities for young kids to actually play and learn the sport is huge. And if the infrastructure is not in place for kids when up until they get to high school, then there's no way that this can grow. So um, board number one, for sure, by a lot. And then, like you said, I think infrastructure is big as well. And that kind of kind of ties to the board. Yeah, no, that makes that makes perfect sense. Uh, any final thoughts before we move on to the next section here on popularity of cricket uh, or the future of cricket in the United States? Uh, just, I just hope that the only cricket matches that I've seen that have been played in the U S have been in the Florida Miami area because of the West Indies, the proximity, the, the allow mm-hmm. games to be played there. 
clearly there's a large South Asian population and, and you know Australian and English population too that would may show up to cricket matches and so I think there's a there's an opportunity for for there to be I, I know there's no preseason to international cricket but if they can put you know some fixtures on 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 the list that allow for you know two random teams that are garner a lot of support similar to how international soccer may when they have friendlies in, in the U.S. And just have it be played in a big market. See, I, I honestly think that the turnout would be pretty high. But just if you can have that and, and ensure a good product and, you know, if you just have individuals see this and, and potentially, you know, individuals are in the city and they see all these people going to this game and, you know, maybe they, they're interested. The prices are low because it's a sport that's been trying to grow or try to grow the sport. Um, and hopefully, you know, it spurs some kids to be like, oh, look, that's cricket. And then they learn about it. And then from there, we can just try and grow the sport that way through the through simply preseason friendlies of some sort. In, in American love cities. that. Love, love the optimism right there. When, you went from devil's advocate <laughs> yeah. to the optimist. I, like but, <laughs> I don't know how, how difficult it is to plan something like that. But it, to me, it just seems like that would be the best way to grow a sport. Yeah, I think the, before I die, I'm, I'm aiming to live for a while maybe even on Mars to, to end it out. I think <laughs> the United States will um, be in a meaningful World Cup in the next 75 uh, to 100 years. And Love yes, it. I'm 26, so 100 plus 26, 126. That's <laughs> circle that number. Uh, all right, now this is the most exciting part of the podcast. We're going to talk about parts uh, podcast, the follow-on. I mean, this is like anything. I love, I love the part of doing this podcast with our friends, and it's like people are doing such cool things. People are, um, you know, creating such cool content, sharing it, uh, sharing this content with all these other people. So I think it's another avenue of. Obviously, this is rare, I'm very early on on this, but I want this to be an avenue for you to, you know, expand your audience for your podcast and you know tell people about it. There's definitely going to be a lot of people who are really interested in this sport. Of cricket and we'll have a lot of questions and i think you know other than you know cricket explained on netflix and wikipedia your guys's podcast does a good job of just like putting you into the sport talking about the players talking about the teams talking about the dynamics um it's very specialized and it does a great job and i've always enjoyed it since since its uh inception so would love to for you to just kind of give us a background like how did you come up with it how did the name come up you know who are your co-hosts uh you know what's going on yeah, thanks for having me on, um, and thanks for giving me this shameless plug here. <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, so it's called Follow On Cricket. So the name originated from an event in Test cricket, as we've discussed, called a follow on. And what a follow on is is if the team that bats first scores more than two hundred runs over the team that bats second. So say I bat first in this two inning match and score four hundred, the next team bats and scores 199 i'm now plus 201 so i can give them a follow-on and make them bat again instead of me having to bat first so it's kind of like switching up the order of the second inning if you have that big of an advantage so um that's where the name came from that's where it originates from um and so like abby like you said it's just you know everything about cricket we discuss politics in cricket um how world events are affecting cricket best players in cricket. We do some power rankings every once in a while. We'll do some all-time teams, just some fun stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you get a chance to check it out, it's always random content, new things every time. And yeah, just trying to, trying to connect cricket with 
sports that people know and, and things that people know that are going on in the world. Yeah, no, that's what I really like like about it. It simplifies the sport, even though it's not that complicated and it makes it really tangible. Um, I also love, uh, and, and this is my personality, I love the banter between you and your co-host, when, especially when you're disagreeing on stuff and you guys are calling bullshit on each other and things like that. So are they all, um, you know, home friends or Illinois friends? Um, you know, how, I guess like, how did you guys, you know, come together? Because there are more than two or three of you guys. Yeah, yeah. So uh, most of the people I actually grew up playing cricket with in the Chicagoland area. So they they all played with me, have been on several of my youth teams. Um, so we've grown up playing cricket together, grown up sort of hanging out together. Um, the person who really started this, his name is Chinmay. He actually works at ESPN um, in, and he does a lot for Sick. Crick Info in terms of cutting clips. He does a lot for soccer as well. So he's he's all over sports, is always caught up on the latest, is always grabbing us to do podcasts every week. He's sort of our glue. Um, but of course, everyone's got the interest and we're always, everyone's very opinionated. Everyone watches all the <laughs> matches. So that's why we got the banter. Um, I love yeah, that. No, so that's, that's sort of the group and that's sort of the dynamic of, um, yeah, how we do things. That's awesome. Is Chinmay the guy that edits it as well? He is the guy who edits it. Yeah. All right. Like give I him said, a, he's sort of the glue. Give him my number. Um, I'll buy him a cricket <laughs> bat or something. Uh, if you we'll can start edit, editing these for me. <laughs> I'm sure he'll take you up on that. <laughs> uh, you you guys have had a lot of episodes too, right? Like, I mean, a lot. It's been a year at least, right? Yeah, yeah. It's been over a year now. So a lot of episodes. Um, we try to do one every two weeks. Of course, COVID has slowed it down quite a bit, but um, I've tried to keep up with that cadence more or less. Got it. That's awesome. Um, any advice for me? Um, as I, I think this is episode nine, um, or eight, I'm kind of losing track here already. No, I, I think you're doing a fantastic job. Loving the podcast already. Um, I love the way you host things. I love the way you ask questions. So I think you've, you've got this down already nine in. So excited <laughs> to see it. episode hundred. Appreciate it. Me too. <laughs> me too. I am excited. And it's funny because I've gotten so many pings from, uh, from buddies and it's like, Hey, we didn't really realize you had so many like Indian friends and relatives because a lot of Indians. <laughs> yeah. you know? I'm like, dude, I'm Indian. <laughs> like, of course. Uh, and then lastly, and correct me if I'm wrong, Parth, you guys are on Spotify, you're on Apple Podcasts. Um, I'm sure you're on Google Podcasts. Uh, what's the best way to follow you guys? Yeah, like you mentioned, all three of those are great. And then followoncricket.com is our website. So go there, check us out. Um, we also post articles as well, along with the actual audio of our podcasts um, to supplement. We do have some clips as well. So, um, yeah. Love that. Love that. Um, and then as we wrap up here overall, what's one takeaway you want listeners um, to go home with after listening to this on the sport of cricket? Uh, we'll start with Chris here. Hmm. Uh, I think I'd, it, it'd just be just give it a go. You know, and I think the IPL is, is the perfect uh, format for you to, you know, try and, and, and dip your feet in the water in terms of watching the sport. Um, as I said, that, that explained video probably does a good job of kind of introducing what that sport or how it's actually played. Um, there's, there's plenty of good documentaries. I know we didn't really touch upon this, but I think the movie Lagan is a, is a good one for, for anyone out there that wants to see something cricket-based. It's a oh, classic. Right. It's a classic. Yeah, I mean, everyone's got to watch it. 
but um yeah just give it a go it's, it's a great sport and it, it's uh, unfortunately isn't as well known in the u.s but um it really is is very entertaining Park? i would say i think most people but i won't speak for everyone know at least one person who knows how to play cricket I would encourage everyone, if you can, go out and just play. I think everyone would have fun playing it. It's not as hard as you think. You can play it really easily if you get three or four people together. Um, as you just hit a ball and you throw a ball at people. It's, it's fun. Go do it. Yeah, I, I like that. And I'm going to take it in the other way in the sense of if you like interacting with folks, meeting different people, if you like, you know, if you're one of those people that, um, you know, like to study abroad, like to meet, interact with different cultures, uh, like Europe, like Australia, New Zealand, or South Asia, or the Caribbeans, um, and you like drinking beer, and you like watching sports at a pub, this is your sport. Um, for every single one of us that goes to the soccer pub at 6 a.m. to watch the Premier League, the same pub is going to have a cricket match, could be 5 a.m., and they're serving alcohol, and you're going to meet a lot of fun people, or you're going to learn a lot, and it's really exciting. Um, you know, we're all, we all play for fun as a hobby, but at the end of the day, you know, we have careers. Um, and when you can't play and go out and just learn more about it and just watch it. And that's like anything, once you start watching, you're going to fall in love. And so that's my takeaway uh, with that guys. I mean, this has been an awesome in-depth episode. Uh, it's been really fun. I mean, we talked about the sport a little bit. We talked about the exhilarating IPL season uh, popularity in the United States. I think we all agree that should go up. It's on the rise. We're all, you know, being positive about it. Uh, and then lastly, I'll put it in the episode description, the follow on uh, podcast that Parth and, and his buddies are doing. Uh, we'll put the episode link, uh, episode website and uh, your Spotify link as well. So people know. Um, as we wrap up though, quickly, best cricket player of all time, in your opinion, uh, we can keep it India or do we can go abroad? I'll leave it up to you guys. I think regardless, mine's going to stay in India. Um, it's the one that I've been watching my whole life. So Sachin Tendulkar is the greatest cricket player of all time. Chris? That, that, that is the right answer, but I'll, I'll take it a different way. I, I thought Ryan Lara was stellar, though the West mm-hmm. Indian player. It's a great Yeah, player. I mean, Can't go wrong. Ryan Lara, yeah, he, he had a hell of a career. Uh, I'll take it in a different direction. Uh, I wrote two down. One, VVS Lakshman, because he's Telugu. There's a wall there. Okay. Yeah, test, test cricket. He was a middle middle of the order, great stroke, stroke play, test cricket. And oh. he was like one of those guys when I was younger, really got into the sport because it's like, oh, Telugu guy, like I could do this. Uh, when most of them were like North Indians on the team. What um, What was the VVS? I just never knew. Like, is it like 25? Let me look it up right now. It's, long. Um, it's probably it's like Venkateshwara or something like that. Mm. Let's see. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. The, uh, the British and Australian commentators back in the day, it was very, very smart Lakshman. I love <laughs> that. That, that was a, actually his commentator nickname. That's now. what they used to. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Uh, here it is. Vangi Purapapu Venkata Sai Lakshman. That is a Telugu name. That is a Telugu name. <laughs> yeah, that is. I mean, that's like my middle name is Abhinav Balakrishnamurti Brahmamdam. Oh, wow. Yeah. Your middle name has got three legitimate last names in it. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with MS Dhoni. I think you said such a tenduker you watched growing up. I feel like MS Dhoni, for those that got into the sport later on, is kind of like 
you know, who we watched and similar. It's like, you know, Michael Jordan passing it off to Kobe kind of thing. Silly. Um, and really cool. I mean, there's a movie on him. He won the Padma Bhushan, which is like the third highest civilian award for India, which is pretty cool. Uh, so that, that's for me. And then lastly, I've asked every single guest on the podcast, uh, bold predictions for the next 12 to 18 months, non-cricket related. Uh, we'll start with Parth. Ooh, bold prediction. Hmm. Next 12 to 18 months. Let's see. Uh, we're not going to be able to go to restaurants again due to a second wave between 12 and 18 months from now. Oh, geez. <laughs> that, that, that might be a long, yeah, that, that's a stretch, but you know what? It's a bold prediction. So I'm going to, I'm going to stay with it. That's going to be like I'm, the fourth I'm, wave. <laughs> I'm going to go the complete opposite fourth, direction. Fourth might be closer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go the complete opposite direction and go, uh, we're going to return to some sort of normalcy. I think we'll ideally, you know, the selection will be, done and dusted i you know i don't want to get too political but i don't think biden was like the candidate that everyone was searching for but like he won't tweet something that enrages hopefully a large demographic of individuals and also you know we get COVID underway and um vaccine will be distributed i i would assume you know sometime in the summertime scale it up and and get it get it to people whether or not hopefully scientists can say if it's effective or not and we get people that you know, know their stuff to say if it's worth taking, but we can get to some sort of normalcy by next winter. That'd be amazing. Yeah. You just I made like... me look horrible. I mean, you just said no <laughs> restaurants. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't like, oh. do myself any favors. With mine over <laughs> <laughs> oh man. This is, this is like our country super divided on that. <laughs> At least we're not talking masks right now. Um, right. Uh, for me, I had something like Illinois football related, but then Chris's whole obsession with the United Kingdom got me going. So bold prediction, Boris Johnson, prime minister of the UK, will not be prime minister of the UK in 2022 and definitely will not be there when the next general election happens in 2024. So a lot of tension in his own party. Folks are turning against him. And British politics is always nuts. I mean, just... If you ever like have time, YouTube British Parliament. And That's hilarious. It's a little over. Yeah, it's, it's just, just that hilarious. dude yelling order. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing. So anyway, that's my uh, that's my bold prediction. Um, well, anyway, guys, uh, I know this is the day after election. We got to get back to our TVs to watch Maricopa County, Philadelphia, Fulton County, and Georgia. A lot of stuff to come in still. Uh, but I really appreciate you taking a couple hours to hop in and talk cricket. This has been fun. This has been Thanks. awesome. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, no problem at all. And everyone, thanks for listening again and appreciate all the support. And until next week, meet you at the bottom.